depression, anxiety, talk about it with me. Strange dreams, same page, safe place, therapy is great, and this ain't the same. But we're crying behind sunglasses anyway. Crying behind sunglasses. Hey, 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 sunnies. <laughs> I'm Katie Dahl. Welcome to Crying Behind Sunglasses, a mental health podcast for cool people. And by cool people, I mean like, yeah, you might be fucked up, but at least you have a sense of humor about it. Whether it's depression, anxiety, addiction, relationship issues, or just general weird brain stuff, this is a safe space and we're going to tackle it all. And then we'll try to find a way to laugh about it. Because nothing cures negative thoughts faster than a positively terrible dad joke. Or maybe a Lizzo song? Anyway, this podcast is not meant to be a substitute for therapy or medical advice. Shocking, shocking, I know, but I am not a doctor. It is purely to make you feel less alone. We've all got shit. We're all in the shit. So, hey, let's all be in the shit together and turn this shit into gold. If you need support, we have a private Facebook support group, facebook.com slash groups slash cryingbehindpod. We've also got lots of sad and funny memes on our Instagram. Or you can hit us up on Twitter with your random thoughts and feelings. Both of those are also at cryingbehindpod. Hey, hey, hey. Today, I'm talking to my buddy, Brad Gage. He's an actor, comedian, and he's also the host of The Real Feels podcast. He talks with entertainment industry pros about sexuality, empowerment, and spirituality. It's the place where the heart and the brain meet. Our conversation was super fun for me because we got to dissect the Netflix phenomenon that you all know and love, Tiger King, from a psychological perspective. Brad's podcast examines toxic masculinity, so it was super interesting to hear his take on it. Anyway, without too many more spoilers, let's get to it. So, uh, welcome, Brad. Hi. Katie, great to be here. Here, I mean, with you. It's okay to be in my house still, but it's great. Yeah. I mean, this is the thing. Like, doing these remote interviews at first was awkward, but now I'm just used to it because we don't know when we'll be allowed to really be in the same room again, do we? No, no. (laughs) This is is what we got to do. To get the job done. And so, yeah, kudos. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and and the job really, I mean, this is a job that we just make up for ourselves. But I feel like the reason I wanted to bring this podcast to people sooner was because all of a sudden everyone's locked in their houses and all of a sudden everyone has some sort of mental health (laughs) issue going on. So why not try and get some stuff out there sooner if it can help people? Absolutely. I mean, it's... uh, There is only so much distraction we can use until we have to look inward when there's literally nowhere to go and nothing else to do. 
Yeah. You know? I mean, so I'm sure you that's, do have that's, your dog, though, right? There, you could play with your dog. Uh, or uh, we, I have three dogs and a cat with my partner, Allie. It's, they're very... They're a very wonderful distraction. I, I guess I'm just saying generally, I'm sure uh, you're talking about a lot more issues popping up right now. It's like, that's that's what this, that's what it's happening with this, you know? What yeah, There's nothing yeah. else to do eventually than uh, just say, hey, how how am I doing? How Who are you in there, you know? And what, so when you ask, do you, okay, so I'm imagining you wake up in the morning, you look in the mirror, <laughs> you ask yourself, hey, Brad, who, who are you? Like, what, what's the answer? That it's you an important question. It's an important question. I think uh, for, I think for a very long time, I didn't know the answer to that. So I didn't ask myself that question because it's too scary. Um, but now I do ask myself that a little bit more. And sometimes I am looking in the mirror because I don't know if you, Remember when you were a little kid and like, did you ever like look in the mirror and think about like, whoa, I'm looking, but like, it's not, that's a reflection and like what's underneath the eyes and stuff like that. So I've been, I, I've been thinking like that a little more recently, kind of trying to connect with the, the more childlike side of myself. And uh, it, what, what's funny about asking questions like that, uh, you get answers. <laughs> You, yeah, you'll answer. No, you absolutely you'll, do. Yeah. You just have to listen long enough and not look at your phone, right? Yeah, not look <laughs> at your phone or just, yeah. I mean, that's a good, yeah. The phone is not going to uh, to talk back to you uh, as yourself. So it's not, not, yeah, not quite I mean, as useful. It, <laughs> yeah. I mean, unless I guess maybe I, I recorded a video talking to myself and then I played it back. 10 years later, I guess maybe that's what high school seniors are doing nowadays. Remember, did you ever do that? Did Time you ever capsule? write a letter to yourself? Yeah. I, I, I never, I never, I mean, I guess journaling is kind of that or, or I wrote a lot of poetry as a kid. So yes, but never like a letter, like open this when you're 30. Um, I yeah. wrote a poem, I wrote a poem recently about kind of speaking to my childhood self and uh, uh, boy, are things different than what he thought they were going to be. <laughs> what did your childhood self think that you would be doing? I, my childhood self thought that I would be making movies with dinosaurs in them. Great. Yeah. But <laughs> that's, not, that's not what is happening. And I'm okay with that. But it, was, it is kind of an interesting thing to go, okay, well, that's not what I'm doing. Um, I, I'm helping people in other ways. I'm telling different stories and it's, you know, it, yeah, it's kind of, uh, those are the things I think about when I wake up in the morning, Katie, it's, it's, uh, I'm just curious. Cause I right. have those same conversations with myself. Um, I find that usually I have those, who are you? What the fuck are you doing moments when I'm kind of in a crisis, you know, like, should I that break is, up That with is him? the crisis, yeah. So yeah, when we have those moments when we're just looking in the mirror at ourselves and asking who the fuck am I, it's kind of for me when I get to those crossroads type of moments where it's like, oh, should I break up with this person? Should I be with them? I don't know. And where do you land when you ask yourself that question? Who are you? <sighs> I am... The person who is watching all of the things happen. I'm not the person who is 
immediately reacting. Does that make sense? It makes 1000% sense. And I think that's <laughs> that, that's the most like, I think that's the most like accurate uh, description of, of who any of us are. Like just bare bones. That is what I am or who I am, you know, that's cool. Yeah, well, because I think it's easier, easy in our society, especially like capitalism, whatever, we define ourselves by our jobs or by, oh, I'm a wife, I have children. Those are neither things that I have, but you know what I'm saying. Um, so basically, I think through meditating and through just being a little bit more mindful, um, I've been able to separate my identity away from however society sees me or what my job is. And I can just be like, oh, I'm a soul in this body having an experience and trying to do the best I can. <laughs> I don't know. How is the experience? <laughs> there's, there's this lovely meme uh, that- This I, is like, I know, I, very hippy-dippy bullshit. Um, this is all I talk about all day. You're not freaking me out. Yeah, no, it's just, uh, it is hippy-dippy stuff. It's not bullshit. It's just kind of like, I think people who don't live in LA, who don't meditate or do yoga, might not be as open to it. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. I think, I think um, when you're talking about spirituality, um, not, nothing that, that, many of the major current teachers are talking about are so different than the original stuff that people, uh, you know, the founders of different religions were talking about, but but religion has gotten a, uh, a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths because of the horrible things that the power um, of those religions has kind of afforded. So, yeah, I mean, it's just kind of like, but but if you ask everybody, it's like, oh, do you feel like so you're part of something larger than yourself? Do you feel like you're more than just a human body? Do you feel like um, that you have a, a very that you're special and that you have a specific purpose here on Earth? Then usually they say yes to those things, and so it's just spirituality is just a reverence for those facts. And you know? for you personally. Uh, do you think that spirituality is a good, a big component of your mental health? Absolutely. The biggest, the, the, the biggest kind of change I've made in finding peace, which is, I think peace is like the tr thing that trickles down to happiness and, and, and lack and anxiety being lower and, and stress being lower. And I think, yeah, spirituality and and all that is is just like connecting with with me um and so and and like having a macro perspective on like on what we're all doing and how cool it is to be here and so every time i remind myself about that and that i'm gonna die it does make <laughs> my any 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 moment that i'm having a lot of stress or anxiety get lowered a little bit it, it's not it doesn't make it less real it just makes it a little easier to deal with because it's like, okay, well, and, and a reminder that you, you can deal with it, you know? Yeah. Because yeah, well, you can. You, you can. 
Yeah, that's interesting. So your way of dealing with stress or anxiety is reminding yourself that you're eventually going to die. It's part of it. <laughs> I love that. It's part of it. It's a great lesson. It's <laughs> it's the best lesson. It's the greatest lesson. <laughs> uh, my, Michael Singer in the book Untethered Soul, his last chapter is about how, you know, the reason why it's so cool to be alive is because we die. So it's... It's the it's the balance uh, of of what we're doing. It's the absolute opposite of what we're doing right now. <laughs> the opposite of what you mean? Okay, of wait, what us we're talking. We're, we're alive and we're uh, and we're talking and we're sharing and socializing and celebrating being alive. And and death is the is the opposite of that. We're that's wow. we're not doing anything. So I mean, it's, it's helpful. Yeah, that's interesting. I feel like in a way, the isolation has uh, changed things where you're like, oh, this is the exact opposite of what I was doing before also in a weird way. It's a weird kind of death. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, I'm not leaving my house. I don't get to distract myself from anything. Like, I don't know, I guess, well, this might be news to you. Uh, I recently went through a breakup and- uh, I didn't was, know that. Yeah, it's fine. It's It'll be public by the time this is out, so- Listen, we're not we're not as famous as Brad and Angie, so I never felt the need to put out a PSA about a breakup. Oh you know? yeah, the those <laughs> those are interesting, right? Because it is like okay, it's it's helpful sometimes to let a bunch of people know if you work together and stuff like that. But if you if it's if you just want to tell the people you want to tell, there's no need to make it a because that's just perpetuating whatever pain is going on between you. That now you have yeah. to like share in this announce this 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 press release. Yeah, what I yeah. may end up doing selfishly because this, I mean, not to make this about me. I'm sorry, I forgot how we got onto my breakup. It's what were we even talking? It's about? not just. It's not all about me or all about you. This is good. I'm, I know, I'm interested in hearing but about wait, this. But wait, I'm trying to like. My train was going, and then it just got completely derailed, and I had a point with this. Oh, the isolation really helped me to process my emotions. And I have never been so clear on any decision in my entire life because I was able to really think and sit with myself. And I couldn't just go out and get drunk with my friends. I couldn't... Um, distract myself with a ton of work or running around town to get away from how I truly felt, you know? So I felt like in a way it can, it can be a gift to be taken out of your normal circumstances. Absolutely. Um, you get, you get, you got to quiet the world around you, all the things that usually would help you not face the big challenge that you're, that you're in. And then, and you were able to just make the choice and move through right. it. And get to business, and that's yeah. And even the oh, sorry, yes. No, that's that. It's just um, it. Yeah, it is kind of a gift if that was helpful for you to reach a, a point that you might not have have reached as quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was also like the healing process. It just everything got accelerated. I think for me, a week of quarantine has been like a month in the real world. <laughs> It seems emotionally. What, it feel, you're just saying like the passage of time or? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Have you had though, I felt like that for the first three weeks and then the past two, every day it's five o'clock and I go, how the hell is it already five o'clock? Like the days have actually mm. been whipping by, but I know 
that could be because I'm because I am working, because I am kind of keeping it busy or or waking up slightly later, but it's it was very slow and then it got very fast. I don't know. Yeah, it's been Weird. compressing and expanding. I mean, time isn't even real. You know? No. So it's all in our perception. The only thing that's real is there's a clock and then I have to show up for something at the same time as someone yeah. else. <laughs> we tried to stick to a time that I suggested and I was late and this is what we're dealing with. What? No. That was <laughs> No, no, I'm I'm just I'm making a joke about <laughs> how I clearly uh, uh respect time. Time is clearly not a is not a construct in your life either. I, I try <laughs> I try hard as hell to make it, but I I've always uh I've gotten a lot better at um being uh, a, a person of my word with time because it's, I don't know if this happened to you a lot, like a lot of meetings, a lot of lunches and stuff in LA, nobody's, nobody gets there on time. Oh yeah, you're rude if you're on time. I know, but like, it would be nice. <laughs> not really. I would, I would that, love it's... to live in a world where we were at the place at the time. And if we did it, then it's like other people will. And then we all just kind of, instead of agreeing that we'll all be late, what if we all agreed that we'll all be on time? Um, easier said yes. than done. I don't know. I mean, or just move to New York. People are on time there. I bet you they are. They are. I remember. They're, they're, they're taking trains and stuff. That's nice. Yeah. And they're busy people and they, they, they're bounced from one thing to another. And it's it's also easier to get around. There's no traffic. You just hop on a train and you get yeah. where you're going. So that Using could be it. Legs. Uh, you, you like New York? Yes. Oh, yes. I went to NYU. I lived in New York for a long time. Oh, and Tish? Always... Did you go to Tish? Yes. Yes. I studied yeah. Stella Adler. I'm one of those people. I, <laughs> uh, I don't cool. say that as, as like a shameful thing. It's more just like, yeah, that's it was a uh, moving to New York because I'm from LA. So I'm kind of a city mouse. And I knew that I was going to come back here just to be near my family and to have a career here. So... I wanted to have an adventure and live in New York while I still could and still be. And young. how was that adventure for you? Oh, oh man, eighteen years old, moving to New York—it's like Disneyland for adults. It's great. <laughs> I <laughs> mean, know? pretty a uh, lot, lot more to do there than anywhere else I can think of. Yeah, if you're yeah, in I mean, luckily. Yeah, I mean, luckily, I was a pretty straight-laced kid. I don't think I even, I didn't drink until senior year of, of high school. I didn't try weed until my last year at NYU. So I, I was pretty, like, focused and not too bad of a kid. I think I saw some other friends of mine who came from very small towns from more sheltered environments. And once they got to the city, it was just a free-for-all. <laughs> So it just it really depends on where you come from and how you want to take it. But I, I love the city. I try to go back at least once a year and uh, see my friends there. Anyway, uh, I want to talk more about you and not only your podcast, which has been really interesting and cool to listen to. I also wanted to talk about specifically two different things that I saw on your Instagram today, uh, one being a video essay about Tiger King and how it really illuminates a lot of issues around narcissism, male egos, etc. And then also the, by contrast, Mr. Rogers, who 
a lot of people might not think of as a masculine hero figure, but you really made a case for that. So I don't know where to start with all this, but I will say that I love Tiger King. So you've really, uh, by by combining mental health and Tiger King into one thing, you have made a, a Venn diagram of things <laughs> I am very interested in. So uh, I'm not sure what, where to start, but I, what when you were watching Tiger King, at what point did you realize that the that this was uh, almost a case study of different male egos and how they manifest themselves. Yeah, it it was it wasn't until after I had watched uh, the whole thing um, with my partner Allie and kind of sat sat with it a little bit, and then more information was coming out. And there's I, I was doing a little research on like how honest it was, how truthful it was. I, my big my number one takeaway was this is fetishizing the ownership of big cats, which even though it talks about how bad it is, the filmmakers set out to make it the blackfish for big cats. It's not that. They got sidetracked, which is completely reasonable with this murder plot and maybe Carol killed her husband, but they doesn't. They don't you really mean bring that, that message Carol Baskin? Home. What's that? You mean that bitch, Carol Baskin? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's part of it, too. The So that was my big takeaway. I think it fetishized the big cats more than yeah. deterred people from it. And secondly, um, the every everybody's first thing they say, if you bring it up, they go, you think she killed her husband? That seems to be a lot of the big takeaway. Kim Kardashian tweets, I think, I think Carol killed her husband. And to me... It is so not the message that we should be taking away. Why is the only woman, and this, and I know, I know how I sound when I say this, but why is the only woman involved with this entire operation, with this entire documentary, the main villain? No, I agree. You are not alone in that. You know? Actually, I've spoken to a lot of women about it because it's just classic patriarchal yeah. bullshit that there is. A man, Doc Antle, who is literally running a tiger sex cult, and everyone's just like, "Chill, great. We don't mind that you have sex slaves there, right?" They're not. It's that it, not sex it, slaves. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm being hyperbolic. It's much more. But yeah, it's not as it's, serious. I mean, I know as it's that. consensual and, and, and they're whatever. They're all but willing I, participants in it. No, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, I don't mean to like. It's throw more about emotional crazy. manipulation than than anything else. Yeah, I just meant more so. I don't know. I hesitate to say this, but I feel like he's just um, – the reason I say cult is because it is – he does kind of act like a cult leader, and he brings these women in under the promise of this better life, and the next thing they know, this is all they're doing, and they're working from 8 a.m. to midnight, and they're just there to serve him, and it just – it feels very unequal to me, um, even if they all say that they're happy and willing participants – I just don't see why more people aren't questioning it. Yeah, at the very least. Yeah, well, absolutely. I think men aren't because many men probably look at his situation as I highlight in my video where that one other big cat owner is like, "Don't I don't want to hear about how you treat the cats. I want you to how do you, how do you keep these women so well trained?" I think a lot of men look at that and are like, "Cool, this guy's getting away with having multiple girlfriends at the time." And not wondering while the women are doing it of their own free will and volition, uh, are they happy? Are they fulfilled? Do they feel like they are um, 
appreciated as much as they should in a relationship? Or are they like, you know, like they feed the tigers a piece of meat? Are they somebody who he is just using for his own power and for his own bidding? And I think there's a very good chance that that's the case. Now, it's it's the same kind of discussion to be had about, you know, just because someone is is not, uh, you know, it's a little bit a, a, about about rape culture in general, where it's like, if someone doesn't say no, if someone doesn't leave, that that's okay. But there are so many gray areas of it. So so that's a big problem. And then and then just looking at at exotic uh, Joe Exotic. And how um, this is not somebody, I don't think he should be celebrated. I don't think this, like looking at someone who plotted to murder someone actively, and if he would have done it, would have been a murderer, uh, a conspirator to murder, murders, you know, beautiful, majestic animals like horses and, and big cats. And he's been caught for that as well. And also participates in, in this cub petting bullshit um, it's not, it's not a funny caricature. It's a cult of personality and he should be infamous and not famous. And it's very bothersome. So it kind of, I, I, I it was just very unsettling to me after watching the documentary. And mm. I, I slowly kind of started drawing my own conclusions and then did some research and, and then it was a very big video to start. And then I whittled it down because, you know, it's already long enough. Uh, making it about the animals too would have been a left turn. No, that well, I think people I, I'm curious. I mean, not that I, I do care about the animals, and that is terrible. But because I'm, this is like a mental health podcast, and we're trying to explore all of that. What really yeah. made me excited and interested was the fact that you drew this parallels between um, all these men um, who own these tigers and the idea of um, narcissism or toxic masculinity because we've, male or female, we've all met people who are narcissists in our lives and we've um, had to deal with them. And it's interesting to see how that can play out almost to the nth degree, right? Yeah, so, and, um, and I mean, I, I quote Dr. Romney Dervasula in the piece. She's someone I've interviewed before and I think is all her videos on YouTube are about narcissism. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's just, yeah, I've had my own experiences with it. So, so the, it's a bit of a reaction to that, um, and an education to that. And also, sorry, I'm just, something's okay. going on with my dog and I don't know what's going on. Um, uh, every remote interview, we always have dogs happening, you know, it's, it's just part of it. It is. Does, Are you okay? Does your dog need to get out of the room? <laughs> Let me just check real quick. Do you need to get out? Sometimes they gotta just leave. They don't want to be held in. No, it's I'm not going to cage my dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, it was um it's funny. I wrote these notes down somewhere else and I don't feel like getting up to get them, but I'll paraphrase kind of that you were saying something about the irony of how um these tigers are in cages and then also the people are being imprisoned as well in different ways, but whether it's the men or the women that are involved in these scenarios. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's the, it's a ugly and beautiful metaphor for what's going on with them. And it's so, it's so blatant. You're just kind of like, is that really the, is it that clear? But it is. Um, no, it is. It they're, is. They're and men I who 
cage sentient beings for a living to feel powerful. And of course, they're going to do that to all of the important people in their life. And it is not a way to operate um, because basic level, and that's what the basic level of toxic masculinity is making the choice of dominating people instead of collaborating with them. On every, on every level, on every shape of decision you ever make, if you, that, it's, it's like believing if the world is good or bad. You are, that, is the, that is the basic um, ingredient to toxic masculinity. And of course, we all have a little bit of it, but it's, it's so, they lean into domination so hard that it hurts people because we aren't meant to be dominated. So, yeah. Unless we really like that in the bedroom. Well, <laughs> this, but this is, yeah, but this is the thing. But that I, is, that is in cooperation because right, you, you are telling your partner, I like, I like it physically when you do this and this. And mm. that is a, that is a, that's a safe, loving, understanding, hopefully, situation. Like physical dominance can be fucking incredible, you know, but it, but it's, it needs to be but welcome. it's consensual. Yes, and you're collaborating in it. Exactly. That's so interesting. Yeah, because I've um, I've dealt with um, being. I'll share. Uh, I was in a very toxic relationship in my early twenties with a man who is a narcissist and was verbally and emotionally abusive towards me. Um, and I don't need to get into all the details, but what really resonated with me when I listened to your piece and thought about it was the idea of how you don't realize at first who this person is. There aren't these red flags that this is a, a bad person to associate with or that they don't have the most pure of intentions or like you're saying that they're looking to dominate you. You don't see that right away. What you see is charisma. You or you, what you see is maybe an off-color joke that puts down women. Uh, you don't immediately see that this person is going to try to take over my life and control me. Right. And, and then until it's too late and then you don't know how to get out. Right. And then it's little by little by little. And then all of a sudden, three and a half years later, it's like, oh, I have no friends left. My career's in the toilet. I'm very unhappy and I don't know why. Right. Right. And, and, and something I will say um, that is another, that is the balance of this as well is while narcissism is a thing, is it, everybody knows it now. It's something that we're all more aware of and narcissists are everywhere. And kind of a, a lot of our culture breeds that in a way that I think is unhealthy, but it's like uh, narcissists tend to do better at certain jobs and stuff like that. <laughs> um, and you're like, yeah. okay, and they're rewarded for it. Um, but it's also important, and this is the toughest thing about my process working through um, my own emotions post getting away from a narcissist and a few in my life. Sure. Um, the import, important thing about it is to, to tie it in to uh, Mr. Rogers is for not only forgiveness, but an understanding that you were a chosen participant in that narcissist scheme. Now, whether, mm -hmm. whether, you, de you don't deserve to be treated that way, but not being aware of it is also, it's, it sucks. But once you eventually are aware, once you know what's going on, then 
then the choice is yours. But it is one of those things where, you know, there's a belief that we were learning lessons from it, no matter who it is in our life. And so while it's like, I don't think it's good that people are like this, I don't want people to be like this. I'm grateful for the narcissists in my past for teaching me the lessons that have made me stronger now. So it is, you know, it's not one of those things where I just want to go out here and just say like, narcissists are bad Stay away from them. They're all bad people. They know they're. Oh, that's bad. not what I'm saying. No, right, I'm right, just, right. I, yeah. I'm, I'm just I, being clear that that's. I don't want to yeah. go in that direction either. I'm not here to villainize anybody. I'm just mostly sharing like my experience and how things make me feel. Absolutely. Uh, but I I agree with you 100 percent with the one the idea that you can have many different loves in your life and you can love more than one person. Right. And each person that you are with, whether it's friendship or romantic or whatever, you do. You learn lessons from them. And sometimes those are hard lessons. Sometimes it's very painful. But uh, number two, the other thing that you said is that you are grateful for these people in your life. And it reminded me of that Ariana Grande, like, thank you next. I'm so fucking grateful for my ex. Right. It's such That's, a cool song. It's such a cool it's message. Real. I love that song. <laughs> and I, I feel the same. I, After that person that I was with, never, ever, ever again do I let anyone try and tell me what to do with my life. Ever. Right? And I, that is so strong in me now. I can never unlearn that. And that's a gift. Yeah. It's cool. So. Yeah, it no, just it takes a cool. lot. It just sometimes takes a while, and it really sucks to figure it out. But <laughs> but once I you do, it's, it's nice. Yeah, it's like a superhero origin story or something. You know? It's like you go through this transformation, and then you're never the same. Yeah, the hero's That's, journey. <laughs> the hero's journey. Uh, yeah. No, I, I and oh, I want to go back to Tiger King for a second. I know that we started there, and there's a, just a burning question in my mind. Uh, I should have prepped you for this question, but I feel like maybe off the cuff you'll give me an honest answer. Sure. If you, like, if you were taking a BuzzFeed quiz to figure out which character in Tiger King are you, which character in Tiger King do you think you would be? I'm sure that I would be, I mean, who I am now, I don't know. Who I was maybe for most of my life up until a year, two years ago, I was... Um, John Ranky. And which one is John Ranky? He's 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 Joe's right hand man. Okay, yeah. The guy with the no legs. Yeah. Um, that's who I think I would be now. I don't I don't think I would be any character in it. <laughs> I don't right, think no, there are, I don't think just, there are just, any just characters in it that are redeemable. Um, <laughs> maybe I mean honestly, uh, yeah. It's a tough one. Maybe, yeah, no, maybe it, um, it is. The director. I mean, there's 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 no real <laughs> yeah. good answer here. You know what I mean? Uh, I think that I would probably be, and I, I was trying to Google it so that I could get it. If you give me a second, I'll get this. Sure, guy's or name. I could tell you. I mean, I watched okay. the whole thing. Yeah, twice. here you tell me then, because we don't have a research team here at Crying Behind Sunglasses yet. We're getting there. I am the research team. Yeah. Um, when I took a BuzzFeed quiz recently, it told me that I would be the older man who now lives in Europe who filmed everything. 
Oh yeah, Jeff yeah, yeah. Something? I for, I forget what his name is, but yeah, okay. that the the producer, the the yeah. producer guy. Yeah. yeah. I'm a, I'm yeah, it would I would be him uh this guy. He Rick, in, oh, it's Rick. Rick Kirkham. Rick Kirkham. Rick's That's who interesting. I would be. He's uh <laughs> He's very much removed, but clearly very remorseful of his participation in that guy's uh, rise. Um, Why do you think, do you think that's accurate? I think that it's accurate because I am a filmmaker and uh, the one project that I did that like, like my first big film that I did, I didn't really have anything to do with what was going on. Uh, Dancing Man, the documentary, it was like this whole thing where um, a group of friends that I was a part of um, found a man who was bu- being bullied on the internet oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and raised money in order to throw a dance party in LA. And I was just, I just happened to be the only girl behind the scenes with a camera. I was not qualified. I was just there, just like filming crazy things unfolding. So in that way, I can relate. But I was filming good things unfolding. I wasn't filming uh, um, tigers maybe mauling people. So that is obviously a difference. And also Rick, (laughs) while he knew what he was participating in to a certain degree, there's a reason why Joe, this is the, the, you know, top documentary. It's like, Joe's hard to keep your eyes off of. And if you're uh, if you're a filmmaker, you're like, yeah, I'm going to make a fucking documentary about this guy. Of course. Yeah, of course he's I fascinating. am. He's fascinating. If, if I had had the, the privilege of visiting any of these zoos before all this happened, I probably would have been out there with a camera too, mm-hmm. trying to make my own Tiger King yeah. documentary. Um, but at the same time, like you're saying, it promotes this cult of personality. It, it The message that you come away with instead of... I don't know. What is the message that we should come away with instead of who who, uh, who killed Carol Baskin's husband? What would be the correct? You said that it should be owning tigers fish. is bad. Okay. And stay away from narcissists. Yeah. Well, I think that that makes sense. And I don't mean to make this entire podcast about Tiger King. I was just trying to tie it back in. No, and no problem. I'm curious as far as with COVID nineteen and staying at home feeling isolated, how has that affected your mental health, your productivity, your emotions? Um, right before COVID happened, I was mulling, oh, I, I was kind of slowly finding time for Real Feels Project. I was, I knew what I wanted to do with it. Um, I, I, but I, I was working like four different jobs, like many of us do just to like, just to make enough to, to not save, but to stay afloat. And so it was just, uh, honestly, I wasn't finding enough time for, and I wasn't focused enough. I was very distracted and I have luckily, there's a lot of things I'm very grateful for. I have, I live with my partner. Uh, we have pets. Uh, I love our home. And I happen to have worked out here long enough that I have a couple jobs that are still going on right now that I can get paid to do. So those anxieties, I'm lucky enough to not have as much. Uh, still, it's still, it's still like, what is my career? What is What are all of our careers going to be? What, like, where do we even go? Where do we start again? How do we build? 
And so the only way I found to do that was to focus in on this thing that I'd been kind of not having enough time for and diving fully into that and exercising pretty much every day. And I know this, I mean, this is not, it's not what I've been hearing or seeing a lot online, but I am, I am using it and feeling good about the t- the way that I'm using my time. And I have been able to focus on the things that I didn't have time for before. And I'm, and I'm doing pretty well. That's great. You shouldn't feel bad about that. I feel a little bit, I feel a tinge of guilt. Like, uh, yes, absolutely. There's, there's a you bunch of guilt guilty there. about that. There's a yeah, bunch well, of guilt be- because it, because so many of my friends, so many people I know, uh, don't have work and and are and are struggling and and I try my best to help but it is one of those things where you go I can't help everybody because that's what am I doing giving leaving for myself so yeah but that makes sense I'm doing pretty well yeah I, every I time I say be- that I feel guilty <laughs> well okay you are in a safe space first off even if I wasn't doing well I wouldn't be mad at you that you're doing well uh, I would say it's it's refreshing for me to hear you uh, that you are thriving because I am in a similar camp. I think the first month of this was very difficult for me emotionally, spiritually, everything, um, just because a lot of just things kind of blew up in my personal life in addition to the pandemic and not, not knowing where my money was coming from, et cetera, et cetera. But once that storm passed, I would say since the beginning of April, I have been relaxed, overall very fulfilled. I have had this newfound sense of focus like you're talking about because there is no pressure for me to run around and either find a million ways of making money that do not serve me or going out to events just because I think I have to or I should for some reason. Should is such a fucking tough word. It's tough, but it's a, you, you know what I'm poisoned. saying, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I know what you're saying. Yeah. I'm just, I, that word should is like, it's a, it's, it's a detriment to us all. Should. I agree. And I, yeah, I found this newfound sense of focus where finally, kind of like you're saying, you've been able to focus on your real feels pod, podcast project, et cetera. I have been able to boil down what I care about to just a very few things. It's like this podcast and writing a screenplay. And now that I'm not allowed to go on set for God knows how long, I'm kind of looking into getting into voiceover because that is something I can do safely from home. Uh, But everything else has fallen away. All the other shoulds or all the other pressures I, I have been privileged enough to be able to not worry about. So I hear what you're saying when you have that guilt. It's almost like a survivor's guilt in a way, where it's like all these other people are suffering. I feel bad that I'm doing well. But I've been wanting for years for this world to kind of just to hit the Slow pause down. button. Yeah, yeah. So that I can figure out who who am I, so that I can look in the mirror and have a good answer about it and have that answer be is – something that's exciting or something that's uh in alignment inspiring yeah you know and so now i'm like oh okay i make art that helps people this podcast is going to help people cool that's simple let's just do that it's very empowering 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I want to kind of wrap this up because I know that you have other things to do because you are a very busy and important man. I say that with without any shred of irony, Brad. <laughs> any shred. Uh, I would like to know from you, one, uh, how can people find you on the internet and all the lovely things you do? Uh, you know, they can, I would say, you know, the number one thing I'd love for people to do is, is to, uh, take a peek at my YouTube channel, Real Feels Project, um, or the Real Feels podcast. You can look that up as well and peek around. I've got these video essays that I've been releasing, um, once or twice a month, past month and or two. Um, and the podcast is on there really I would love it for people to explore what they think masculinity is. And that is what I, uh, it's not what I started with the podcast doing, but it is what all of the work from here moving forward is going to be revolving around. I um, love that. Because it's such important it, work. It, well, I mean, it is important because once I was in the, I was reading this lovely book of essays called Men Explain Things to Me by Rebecca Solnit, who is a fucking genius and incredible writer. And when you look at the numbers of domestic violence, violence in general, gun violence, murders, rapes, um, sexual assault, war, um, environmental issues, I was I just had this big aha moment that I think probably a lot of people know inherently, but as a man, as a, as a cisgendered white man, realizing that the root of most struggle and pain in the world and the biggest problems is this idea of the need to dominate over collaboration, and it is toxic masculinity. Now, that word, that term, is not very easily digested. It has a lot behind it. It is... Even people who agree with what I'm talking about, I don't think it's just a word that everybody kind of hates a little bit right now. So part of my mission is to figure out new ways to communicate the ideas of what toxic masculinity is, of uh, creating safe spaces like you have here with men to talk about times that they have done things that they are ashamed of and how show that people can change because I like most men have plenty of things that I wish I wouldn't have done or, or treated differently. Or I, I'm, I have, I have spoken uh, about women or to women in ways that I'm like looking back. It's like, that's, I know I, I have a sense and more empathy for how I was making those women feel in those moments. And I think while, whether they're even minor uh, uh, moments, you still I still just have this kind of newfound empathy for those situations. And I think if guys can be kind of pulled out of the conditioning a little bit, like I've been able to, I think that it will permeate and create a situation where uh, maybe these maybe these things don't need to be as fucking brutal as they have been for centuries. Mm. 
That's very well said. I, I can't say it better. <laughs> I want to add on. All I could say is uh, like, if I was at a poetry reading, you know how they do the snaps? I, like, snaps, when you agree snaps with things. Are the, snaps, are, snaps are all around. Love I'm, the snaps. I'm, I'm giving you lots of snaps over here. And I, I yeah, I, I, I don't have anything else to add. You've, you've said everything. You've said everything there is to say about toxic masculinity and why we need to explore it. I think what's powerful about it to me and the reason I'm so almost speechless right now is it's very rare to see a guy who looks like you take on those issues and actually explore them in a real way and not in a way where they are saying, I'm an ally in order to appear uh, appealing or to in order to gain some sort of thing for their life that they want, right? Yeah, points, uh, virtue signaling points. Yeah. 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 So it, it's nice to see someone wrestling with those issues, admitting that they may have done something bad in their past and seeing how they can educate themselves and educate others and speak out on something that is um, has been part of our society for centuries. And, and, and maybe even longer, but it's it, it what's cool is that we've evolved to a place where it doesn't really have to be that way for us all to flourish. No, it, no, no, absolutely, absolutely not. I mean, no, I, I come from a long line of very hardworking women. My mom was like a badass stockbroker who owned her own business. So like, yeah, I, I've been lucky enough to have female role models that were not just, there's nothing wrong with being a housewife. I think that is, you know, if that's an empowered choice you want to make, but it's nice to have those female role models who do other things besides just being a, a girlfriend or a wife, you know, and that they can achieve these things in, in life if they want to. They have that choice. I think the, the true idea of being a feminist in 2020, which, again, is almost also a bad word, which I hate that because I think feminism should be just that male and, male and female are equal. We all have opportunities or even non-binary, whatever gender it is that you are, you are able to have opportunities, right? Um, is that you have a choice. You have the agency and the resources and the ability to make choices about your life and that your choices are not dictated by the fact that you are not a, a man, mm -hmm. basically. Uh, so I think that's really cool. And, um, my one last little tidbit that I wanted to ask you about, uh, I don't really know what we're calling the segment. We're still workshopping the name. So maybe you have a better name for it. We're calling it for now, hot tips, but you know, keep those tips hot. Spitball. There's tips. They're coming in hot. Uh, I want to know if I'm Brad Gage, I'm having a shitty day. You know, things didn't go well for me. Maybe maybe you went and did stand up and you bombed or maybe you you tried to make a video and nobody liked it. I don't know. Some terrible thing happened in your life. When you come home, is there some sort of song, food, animal, household item or other thing that is guaranteed to turn your mood around? You know, I I have the the fun answer and then the answer that's like more helpful. The answer that's more helpful is meditate. <laughs> but the answer that is more fun and is more instantaneous is just um, getting out of whatever, wherever you're you're normally doing your 
your thinking or your brewing or whatever, the places where you can get most anxious, getting out of that. And maybe it's even getting into your car and turning on just something funky as hell. And for me, yeah. it's like, it's, it's, uh, it's random access memories, uh, from Daft Punk or it's Earth, Wind and Fire or it's Stevie Wonder. Heck yeah. Because music is just vibrations and, and it can bring your vibration up. And so it's automatic. And, and, and so that's my tip. I'm feeling down, you know, just grooving out, dancing a little bit, like being in a place where you feel comfortable doing that, I think. Um, and I think I, there's a point in my life where I would probably scoff at something like that. Like, that sounds stupid, but like it is, it's, uh, it's great. It's a celebration. So celebrating a little bit, um, always, always, always helps. Always, always helps. I love that. Yeah, I'm the same. I, I think music really can help. It's 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 a little hack, you know, because meditating, you know, you have to have a lot of certain conditions to be able to meditate. You got to get to that quiet place. You got to either put on a guided meditation or be able to breathe. You have to be alone usually. Yeah. Um, but like you said, you just throw on that music wherever you are. You can just listen to that song and you can either dance or not dance. You can sing along, but it's vibrations it's changing your vibration it's easy it's that's it's why everybody loves music you know it's just and just reminding yourself like oh like this is i can just feed myself something good right now and i'll feel better we don't we don't need to hold on to feeling uh whatever the disturbance is um we can just go, we, we can just feed ourselves. It's, it's, you know, giving yourself a treat. It's, you're allowed to do that. Give yourself give a treat. treat. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you give your dog a treat. Why not give yourself a treat? You've been a very good boy, Brad. Thank, Thank you so much you. for being on this podcast. My heart needs a little treat. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah. So like we were saying, please follow Brad on all of his social media. What is your, what are your handles? Um, Brad Gage on Twitter, um, and then I would just, you know, Bo Radley on Instagram, but you can find Brad yeah, Gage we'll, on Instagram. We'll put, him, we'll put him in the little real description. We'll, Look for real we'll, feels. Real feels. Cool. Yes. Yeah, we'll put it all in the description below. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate your time, and um, yeah, good luck with the, the Real Feels project. I'm excited to see what you do next. Thank you. Same here. I'm so uh, just... I'm grateful, but I, I appreciate, I really appreciate what you're doing and what you're using your time for, because I think this is an act of service and, and, uh, and those are helpful to you and everyone else who touches this thing. So it's cool. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right. Well, we'll talk soon. All right. Have a good one. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe, follow, rate, review, or share it with a friend who also has a weird brain. Next time you're crying after therapy, just throw on your sunglasses, take a walk outside, and breathe in some fresh air. This world might be fucked up, you might be fucked up, but fuck it. At least I just want you to know that you are not alone. I'm Katie Dahl. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Katie Dahl. That's K-A-T-Y-D-O-L-L-E. 
And you can follow the podcast at Crying Behind Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and all the other platforms. And our Facebook private support group, y'all, it is popping off. It is a fun, supportive, cool place to be. If you want to join that party, it's facebook.com slash groups slash cryingbehindpod. And until next time, stay safe, stay sane, stay sane. Ew, ew, ew.